Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog, Episode 9. I'm your host, M. With me is regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. Episode 9. We are here to talk about the third episode of Discovery. And also, the third episode of the Orville. Oh, 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 I forgot. (laughs) Oh, why have you done this to me? Oh, that aired seven years ago. Uh, (laughs) Your tweets were made in the late 70s. I don't remember the name of the episode. It's the third episode of the Orville. I think it's called About a Girl. It's called About a Girl. Yes. Yes. Um... Uh, if you if you follow me on Twitter, and if you're listening to this, I assume you do. Um, I live tweeted the episode and posted a bunch of videos, uh, and uh, it is it is an episode written by Seth MacFarlane, directed by fucking Brennan Braga. It is perhaps the worst hour of something that resembles Star Trek that has ever been produced. Perhaps. I mean, like Code of Honor still exists. You always have to reckon with Code of Honor. Oh, you do have to reckon with Code of Honor. <laughs> yeah. You do have to do that. Mm. Uh, there's but no. It's on, it's on that level, and yeah, also no, it's it... like it's on that level. But it would be on that level if it was made in the eighties. Um. <laughs> wait, what do you mean? If this episode is made in the eighties, absolutely not. It would win awards if it was made in the eighties. Oh, no, I know, but I mean, like, it is that level of tone-deaf idiot science fiction trying to be, like, progressive but falling flat in its face and being awful, uh, but made last week. Yep, no. 30 years later, someone has come at Code of Honor for the worst Star Trek, and it is the Orville Episode 3. It is... uh, I don't... Like, talking about it... So, one of the crew members is from an all-male species... And they him and his partner have a baby, and the baby turns out to be female. And it's about them discussing whether or not they should have like the give the baby like sexual reassignment surgery to make the baby male. And it turns into a legal battle, and it's full of awful cis people gender yep. metaphors and arguments, oh, and it's garbage, fucking terrible. It literally like cuts from. Uh, Seth MacFarlane saying the direct line, you want to perform a transgender, uh, a transgender operation on a baby to the words directed by Brandon Braga. <laughs> it's fucking, oh, oh, I hate it. Uh, I haven't watched it. I watched it in proxy through your tweets. I don't watch the Orville. These recaps are just you making yourself suffer. Yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point. The Orville fucking sucks. And anyone who's like, it's the it's the real new Star Trek, uh, is a fucking idiot and probably a transphobe at this point. Uh, if they are like into episode three and be like, no, no, it's still good. Um, I'm going to continue and- watching. I'm going to continue to report because I'm an idiot. And now that this has been the worst thing I've ever seen, I have to know if it can possibly top itself. There's no way it can get worse than that. Like that sticks its turf flag in the ground. Like it's a very specific form of terrible. It will not be that again. Yeah, no, I assume not, but I want to know. Well, I guess keep us updated. I'll just keep watching Discovery, I guess. The good show. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm also watching Discovery. I get the two sides of Star Trek happening in my life right now. Yeah. 
So we're here, I guess, to talk about that, really. That's what we're really here for. Yes, we are. This episode aired the 1st of October, 2017. It is called Context is for Kings. The story is by Brian Fuller, Gretchen Alberg, and Aaron Harberts. The teleplay is by Gretchen Alberg, Aaron Harberts, and Craig Sweeney. It is directed by Akiva Goldsman. I've heard tell that this is the last episode of the story by Brian Fuller. So I don't know how true yep. that is. I know that um, Gretchen, uh, Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts. Did you say Elberg? Yeah, I probably did because I don't know. Dyslexia. I don't fucking know. I don't know why That's my right. eye saw that J and just went, it's an L. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think you should take the L on this one because it's Gretchen J. Berg. Oh, <laughs> get fucked, get fucked, get fucked. <laughs> Oh, that was hell. I'm so sorry. Um, but no, those are the sh- uh, showrunners. I didn't realize until looking that up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. They're just like people who uh, have worked with Brian Fuller on other shows, but they've now just taken the reins because he fucked off. Yeah. Um, and it seems good. I'm glad it's them. I was worried that like fucking Kurtzman or Goldsman was actually running the shit. Uh, and if so long as they're just helping out, then I feel fine about their involvement because I doesn't always fill me with confidence. But so far, everything has been very good. So well done, everyone. This episode takes place in November 2256, six months after the events of the first two episodes. In many ways, this is the actual pilot of Star Trek Discovery, as if we had said that last week. Uh, uh, I mean, us, everyone else, the producers, the after Trek... <laughs> The entire internet realized that they just made a movie. So in this episode, Michael Burnham is on a prisoner transport shuttle heading towards a dilithium mine with three other prisoners that clearly exist to just be gruff. Uh, when there is some sort of uh, light mishap aboard the shuttle and it is towed in out of like a space storm by the USS Discovery. The Discovery is a strange ship that seems to be ostensibly a science ship, but there's weird soldiers all over the place. And Michael Burnham is directed to the captain, Gabriel Lorca, who knows who she is and wants her help on the ship to just, while you're here, you know, we're going to fix the shuttle and send you on your way. But while you're here, maybe you could help us with some stuff. Uh, that stuff happens to be a very mysterious research project that is top, top, top secret. Uh, and everything that's going on in that ship seems to be a bunch of space mystery. Uh, Michael Burnham decides to investigate on her own and discovers that they're growing weird fungus in, like, the top-secret engineering lab and doesn't quite know what it means. Meanwhile, uh, the sister ship, the USS Glenn, is in distress, and they go to visit it to find everyone on the ship has been Junji Itoed into a weird, twisted corpse. It's really gruesome, and on there is a weird space creature that looks like a giant tardigrade, that attacks them all uh they escape that ship uh get the research blah blah blah. and then captain Lorca shows her what the research actually is when she accuses him of building like crazy bioweapons the research is actually a uh fungal based like form of interacting with like some deeper connection of the galaxy that's supposedly i assume deeper than subspace it's described as like the veins of the universe that would allow them to transport vast distances instantaneously and he gives her an example of transporting her to a bunch of planets including romulus and a bunch of other places from the original series um anyway she decides that she's going to stay on um and become I, like she's not given a rank or anything she's just there she's like i'm gonna be on the ship 
and yep. uh on that ship is a uh, good old lieutenant saru now a commander and there's tension there blah 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 uh the episode ends with captain Lorca revealing that he has transported the tardigrade yep. beast onto his weird menagerie hidden room on the ship that's like at the bottom of the ship and in there is like a gorn skeleton and a bunch of crazy shit and he's absolutely not evil i don't know what you're talking about he's clearly <laughs> just a good captain the end <laughs> Yeah, the NC-1013, oh, no, 31, sorry. The, the NC-Section 31 is what I'm saying. NCC Section 31, the discovery. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about the things that we thought were going to happen this season. <laughs> yes, so we had a bunch of predictions from all the things that were like, oh, this is clearly what's going to happen, and they all happened immediately. <laughs> the ship is going to be a crazy Brightest Minds of the Galaxy think tank to win the war. Check. It's yes. probably going to be a front for Section 31 bullshit. Check. Triple check. Black alert. The captain's, Black Starfleet badges. The, the captain's going to be nebulously evil, but then like also like he's just going to get things done and he's going to investigate a new technology, but too much. Check. <laughs> Immediate, all the way checked. Uh, this episode is a lot. <laughs> it's really good television. It's so obviously... Uh, the pilot was great and we had a good time with it and it was um good opening like uh big action scene but the immediate space mystery space majesty like just plot about here's a thing that we have to kind of solve was very cool i'm glad that space mystery is here as well as klingon wars like there was a klingon in this episode but only very briefly yeah no and he immediately gets owned by the tardigrade yes he does do that <laughs> Um, here's the question. Did the tardigrade twist everyone up? Or is that like also just the horrible, like experiment they've done? No, that, that, that no, because they got ginger eater. Like skeletons were coming out of bodies. Faces were all fucked up and backwards and like proportions were wrong. That's, Something... that's my implication that it's not the tardigrade that did that. It's very clearly, this is what happens when we use the universe spores, but too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you get you get transported. One, you make horrible, like, small microorganisms giant, and then also you turn inside out. <laughs> like, what if the all... Tra it's basically the like, the actual space mystery slash, like, big threat of this season is what if every transporter ap episode happened to you at once? <laughs> <laughs> like, the threat of the transporter episode is real. Or, more importantly, what if the, like, mad scientist that they go to check in on and have to stop his research was actually just living on the ship? And everyone was like, no, this research is very important. Yes, so a, th a thing, a couple things we need to talk about is that we've met a bunch of main characters now that weren't in the last episode. Two of them, the crucial ones, aside from Lorca, who we'll get to as, like, we've mentioned him, but the two ones we haven't brought up yet are, let me think of it, I know, so, there's Tilly, is she a lieutenant or is she a crewman? She is Cadet Sylvia Tilly. Cadet Sylvia Tilly. She is not she... out of the academy yet. Oh, that's why her badge is different. Yep. Uh, I love her. She is the purest Starfleet babe that is clearly meant like too good for this ship. And she is the most like what we could be she's gonna be so shocked when everyone's evil. <laughs> yes, no. She she's actually not not she is by far not the most likely to get owned in that reveal character. That's Saru. Yeah. But <laughs> Uh, she's great. She just kind of like nervously talks too much around Michael and then like tries to be really mean to her in order to become popular. But then it's like, oh, I was being shitty. I actually like you. I would like a friend, please. She is 
the anime protagonist of this show. Yes. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> uh, she's just super nervous and like clearly like afraid everyone's going to realize that she's just a child and kick her off the ship and is doing her best uh, and has an incredible amount of hair that is kept very tightly coiled when she's on duty, which is remarkable. Yeah. Um, uh, and is allergic to everything, apparently. Oh, she's so good. She's like, what if, uh, friends of the table reference, what if that uh, hotel, right, who, the nervous hotel guide, oh, yes. was a Star Trek character. That is that is a deep cut friends of the table reference. Yes, I know. That's why I had to preference it by explaining what a reference it was. Yes, that's, uh, that's fair. But, um, yes, uh, she's great. And we also have... Uh, scientist pull statements what is, what's his actual rank uh he is let's well, because he's in the starfleet he's not just a scientist he but, is lieutenant so, yes so lieutenant pull stamets stamets yes. i don't know stamets um he is played by anthony rap yes he, uh, he's the gay character right yes he is the gay yes. character his the partner who... his partner is the doctor who is not in this episode oh thank christ because i saw people thinking his partner was the guy his no, friend no, no. who got no killed. his his partner is the doctor I was like, they can't do that. Because he's like, oh, I care about my friend so much. And now he's dead. And I'm like, did, did they do that? They wouldn't have done that. That's no. bad. They'd have known not to do that. No. Uh, but no, he's great. Uh, there were a lot of... So going through like recaps of this episode, one of the things that stuck out in a couple of them was uh, people not knowing why he's such a major character. All he kind of does is like complain and then is nebulously shitty to... Uh, to to Burnham, but not in like an actual way because the actual tensions with Lorca. Uh, but every single Star Trek round is like, oh, it's this one episode character with the, who's complaining about Starfleet taking his science, but just on the ship all the time. This yeah, is no, amazing. There are like eight of those in TNG, and every one of them gets owned by their research. And this guy just happens to be on the ship and like actually doing the thing. Yeah, uh, it's he's great. still gonna get destroyed by his research. He, he also gets to be the exposition dumper guy. Hopefully. He will not have to do that after this episode. Uh, I also appreciate that he is like kind of annoyed that Burnham is just like foisted upon him is in like an HR move. He's like, why are you're like not even supposed to be here? Why are you assigned to me to like be the boss of? Uh, yeah, I like him because his antagonism towards Burnham isn't like because she is evil. Or he doesn't trust her. He just is like, I'm not here for this. Yeah. I'm here for science. I'm not an HR guy. Now, like now you're here. Now I have to fucking deal with this creature oh, i could i just wanted to grow my plants yep uh the best part of this is paul stamets stamets is actually the name of a fungal researcher that like helped yes. advise the science on this show i know i know oh it's great um there is a character that is maybe a main character who can say before we get to uh Lorca, it is uh Rekha sharma as security chief ellen landry who is listed as a guest star so I wonder what will happen to her in this show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, she could just not be on it much. Yeah, no, it's possible. Because, like, uh, Pulaski was even listed as a special guest star, uh, Dana Mulder, in season two of TNG. So. I also she know, could, I like. She's I've also clearly the most disposable character on this crew. <laughs> Yeah, but I've just watched television shows where they have a character as a guest star. That's how, like, the contract got signed, but then they yep. use them all the time. Like, it, there's no actual way to know, but. She could totally be destroyed, be be very dead, because she is the most primed to be Tasha Yard. Yep. Uh, she is, I mean, she is basically Tasha Yard, but like played by someone who can act, which is great. Just a yep. tough security chief lady. Aw, oh, that's, Denise Crosby's not that bad. 
in season one, she definitely is mostly that bad. Yes, but I don't. I know mean, if that's the her writing fault. is bad. To be fair, yes, no. She has to stand there and earnestly deliver lines about rape gangs. It's yeah. not. There's no way to salvage that. And then we have everyone's favorite, uh, beautiful epitome of what a Starfleet <gasps> captain should be, Gabriel Lorca. Played... I thought you were going to say sorry. No, no, no. We're talking <laughs> about new characters. Yes. Uh, played by Jason Isaacs. Uh, with a like ridiculous like semi hidden southern draw introduced like oh, looking out so at the good. stars with them reflecting in his eyes because he's been injured and so he has to keep the lights down and he just talks very earnestly about how he's going to get anything done to win the war and he's definitely not evil definitely definitely not evil <laughs> he's, he's definitely not evil he didn't transport the evil uh de- like ship destroying creature into his own like tiny prison cell with a little force field. He didn't do that. He didn't. Do he, that did, he didn't just admit that he was willing to do anything it takes to win the war, and then use that research to like greater ends afterwards. So the big climax of the episode is uh, Burnham confronts him and says, "Okay, you've picked me because I uh, mutinied. I disobeyed orders, and you want someone who will disobey orders. You want someone who like is completely off the book and who can do whatever it takes to win the war." Uh, and you're probably developing a weapon. And he's like, no, I'm not developing a weapon. It's spores. And I don't want you for that. I want you because you stayed true to your uh, like morals and you like didn't let Starfleet regulations get in the way of what you thought was right. I need that kind of person. And she's like, oh, that's fair enough. I guess that's not exactly what I said, but in a different perspective. And I'm like, it's clearly exactly what you said in a different perspective. He's still all those things, Barnum. <laughs> to be fair, it's not her fault. That's true. So and I guess her other option was no, to no, no. Get I want, I, I want to. So, um, I also like he totally orchestrated that ship, the shuttle being in distress. Though apparently that shuttle chief just got owned. Like we argued about whether uh, okay. or not the shuttle so, chief. <laughs> yes, you can describe that moment. So, I so everyone's sitting in the prison thing, and then like a bunch of like electric eating bugs like appear on the shuttle, and the, the uh, Burnham's like, someone has to clean them off, otherwise they're going to suck all our power it will be dead in space until the oxygen runs out or we freeze to death and so the shuttle pilot's like i'm gonna go clean them out you all sit here not that you have any choice haha and she gets out in an eva suit and then they're just sitting there and the prisoners are getting very nervous except for burnham because burnham is uh, ice water in her veins and you just see the shuttle pilot like bouncing on the side of the shuttle like clearly unmoored in the the computer voice goes uh emergency line disengaged (laughs) someone says it's okay the pilot is sorting it as the camera pans past the window and the pilot just is floating into space and i'm like oh and then it is like seconds before the discovery shows up so presumably in the actual logic of the show she could have been beamed aboard and actually was saved and this was all orchestrated but what actually happened was it was a comedy pan as this character who has had no lines because she doesn't actually say she's going out like she just says nothing as everyone goes oh she's clearly going out to the ship just goes oh i think she might say some mumble to herself so there's nothing character just goes immediately into space and just dies Nope. And you just said it was the most Kelvin verse moment of the whole show. Yeah, so far. The, the visual gag of her just like floating past the window right after they're like, "Don't worry, it's gonna be fine." Is very much Kelvin verse. Like you're right, but then also, is it that far off from Worf going? Uh, everyone's fine. Uh, I haven't noticed anyone's temper being up. And then cut to everyone punching in the. Oh no! I mean, Star Trek, is, Star Trek is, as we say all the time on the show, it's a much sillier the show than everyone gives it credit for, and pretty much all its incarnations. But yeah, even this one, that gag in particular, where the punchline is, "Oh, this person's probably dead," is actually like more of a Kelvin verse <laughs> thing. Oh, she flew into space. Anyway, 
when she meets Captain Lorca, it's in his ready room every time. And when you walk in, uh, there's just like some decorations, blah, blah, blah. The room's very dark. And then on his desk, which is like a standing desk, because that's who he is. He's very take charge, I guess, uh, is a Tribble that just like is there, like nondescript piece of like nostalgia kitsch reference. And it coos every time someone walks in the door. Uh, we were reading Trek BBS because we've decided to go all in on just enjoying Trek uh, yes, culture yes, 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 yes. through this. And there was there was some people who were floating that was like, oh, it's there to detect maybe Klingons in disguise because uh, Tribbles and Klingons hate each other. That's established canon fact. The thing that I realized like a half, half hour after I watched the episode is what Tribbles also do is they affect the mood and temperament of anyone who listens to their coups because it actually like placates people and makes them like more receptive and protective. And he just has a psychological weapon on his desk as a paperweight for when anyone comes to talk to him. Yeah, because it coos whenever anyone enters the room also. Like, it's yep. like a the doorbell, like, I walked into this uh, news agent type thing. And it's not addressed, and it's not played as sinister. It's just like a piece of, like, a, it's just basically like a reference to Star Trek in the show. But... If you know what that is and you think about it, it is the most like modern TV in 10 episodes. We're going to reveal that that Tribble was there all along to mess with people who were on the ship. And uh, it's he's, he's clearly the most evil man. <laughs> he's so evil. He's, he's so evil. It's really ridiculous how evil but, he is. So he's evil and he's the most evil captain that's ever lived. And then Saru's his first officer. <laughs> So yeah, when Burnham first gets on the bridge, uh, she walks on and Saru's there just sitting in the captain's chair. Just uh, this episode definitely like reinforces that Doug Jones is like one very thin and also wearing a lot of prosthetics and like stilt feet because Saru is enormous. He is just the most spindly giant creature in the captain's chair. Yep. Uh, um, and he is the first officer and they have this conversation where when she's first on the ship, they, he meets her for like breakfast and to walk her to where she's going to be researching stuff and he has like a pail of blueberries and they just share blueberries and talk and he's like uh she apologizes for everything that happened on the shenzu and he's like i i understand but also you're dangerous as hell and if it comes to it i'm gonna do a better job protecting my captain than you did with yours and two things one i like this idea that like the very like riker inspired first officers are there to protect their captains that's what they do uh this is it's it's almost like everyone in starfleet knows this and it's it's almost like a like unofficial like brotherhood of cap uh, of commanders they're like they all value their jobs in the same way and like can relate to other commanders about yeah i protected my captain in this way and uh i like that they all adopt that role in a very similar way um mm -hmm. but also that saru is just like the most like well-meaning i'm gonna protect yep. my captain no matter what and his captain is like the most evil starfleet captain <laughs> So Saru and Lorca, aside from like maybe one line in the first uh, when like Lorca walks in at the start, they don't interact this episode, which I think is a very smart choice because that would like that's gonna be a lot when Saru starts getting like there's gonna be a point in the season <laughs> where Saru realizes that Lorca is evil and he's going to advise him against being evil and he's gonna be destroyed. He's just gonna be psychologically ruined by this like captain who is so out of his league. Yeah, no, for sure it's gonna be hard to watch and i'm like dreading it and it's it's inevitable it has to happen at some point yeah no poor saru yep um uh, we had the scene where they're eating blueberries and like he's like basically says like uh she's like oh the, i saw the speech you gave at the funeral for Giorgio. it was it was beautiful i you're the best i still care about you a lot and it's, it's just really sweet and like he is so obviously uh 
the heart of the show at the moment. I, Tilly is also the heart of the show. There's two hearts of the shows. They know what they're doing. Yep. Um, uh, also, we had discussed last episode if there were other survivors of the Shenzhou, and there is. Yes. Uh, the lady with, like, a metal, like, little implant on the side of her head uh, is on the, the uh, Discovery. I think that's new. Uh, is it? I think she was just a redhead lady before, and now she has... Oh, you know uh, what? Looking looking at uh, Memory Alpha, yes, they have pictures of both versions of her, yes. So that must yes. be some sort of implant because of an injury, I would assume? P- presumably because of the battle, yes. Yes. Uh, her name is uh, Kayla Detmer. Nice. She is also Tragically, Daft Punk died. Uh, maybe, but there's a there's like an actual, like, real robot lady on that ship. Did you see that yep. character? Yep. <laughs> I'm very curious about that. <laughs> it's not quite at like the level of the recent movies but the budget for we've just put background aliens on this ship is much higher than any star trek show has ever been yeah no because like star trek beyond actually just has like a huge menagerie of aliens like in in every background of every scene like it's incredible the artwork like the makeup work that's done in that movie Mm -hmm. uh and obviously discovery can't do that but they do pretty well considering they're operating on a tv budget Yep, compared to like TNG, where basically everyone's a human, but a couple people. Yep. Um. Like, yeah, it's 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 a very different. Like this this show is very expensive, and I'm glad that they conned Netflix into giving them infinite money. Yep. Um. So a couple things. Uh, this ship it looks amazing. The Discovery is such a cool ship. It's such a cool design. Yep. The like really flat, like broad, like '60s, like engineering hole and then the very modern like ball and circle uh saucer section like the two ideas of what starfleet ships are like butted up against each other is really great um the technology is like weirdly in some ways it feels more original series than even the uh shenzo did where like there's a lot of like physical switches on panels uh burnham is given like data on like a plastic like yellow orange like cute like square that she just slots into a computer that are all over the original series where everything's just a weird piece of plastic that's just shoved in a slot oh i love looking at the discovery has look there have been moments this week where i haven't and i won't because i don't have time but i've come very close to just what if i just go all in and buy a bunch of ships and star trek online what if i just get a bunch of ships don't do that don't do that it's a terrible idea because it's still star trek online i know but i just want ships no, as as my brother is really into Star Trek Online and the thousands and thousands of hours and hundreds and hundreds of dollars he's put in that game, you don't want to do that. Don't chase that dream. Yeah, but he has so many ships. Yeah, no, he has all the ships because he has characters in every faction and they're all like highest level. Oh, when you said he was into that game. <laughs> yes, no. He's like oh, he's like oh, he's like no. second in like a big guild. Like he plays a lot of Star Trek Online. Uh, that's amazing. Great. That's good. But yeah. no, the, the, I, I love the design of the ship. Uh, I saw a bunch of people on the BBS going like, uh, oh yeah, look, it's the NCC one uh, thirty one. Everything, everyone is like, people who have started saying it can't be a Section 31 plot because that's so obvious. Oh, <laughs> forgetting I that. didn't realize until just a second that it's call sign is literally the 1031. Oh my God. Yes. That's what I said earlier in the- I Yeah, no, I thought you were making but... a joke. <laughs> No, it's 
NCC 1031. Uh, uh, Memory Alpha, background information. Brian Fuller chose the Discovery's registry number 1031 because he loves Halloween. Yes, that's exactly why he chose it. (laughs) Not because because there's armed soldiers with black comm badges like all over the ship. But the the design of the ship's great. uh, And we like, we're talking about it and it's basically... Like, what if the NX program carried into TOS era is what yeah. it looks like. Uh, continuing our uh, read on Discovery as a Enterprise validation show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It is, it is such a good look. And, I mean, the Star Trekness is very strong. Like, and But it, you still feel, like, you still recognize the ways in which they are, like, still a tv show with a budget like this is this episode entirely takes place on the discovery when they go to the glen it's just the same sets of the discovery but everything's dark and there's bloody corpses all over they have now used those sets for three ships yep because sister ship you can just do it all and relight it but they did that for the shenzhou as well like the bridge is different yeah no the the shenzhou had like a specific bridge but yeah also all of the the few times you saw corridors there it was also the same sets the classic Star Trek move of we have one like corridor intersection and it has to be the entire ship. Well, they're gonna they're gonna milk it for all it's worth. Yep, TNG did. No, yeah. uh, they mentioned Amanda in this episode, so uh, more Sarek ties confirmed. They also imply that uh, Burnham and Spock know each other. Uh, they do. I know this for a fact. Uh, what do you mean know this for a fact? I saw people talking about the book. Oh, okay. There's a book where she meets Spock. Cool, 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 I don't know cool. if that's actually true, like how much that is going to play into the show, but I have seen Trek fans going on about how uh, Star Trek and Sp- uh, no, Burnham and Spock meeting is their thing. Okay, that's cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, yes, because I, I want to know if like, did have they, did they just know of each other and they met like as adults? Do they know of each other because they were on Vulcan at the same time? I, I mean, I assume she came after Spock left to, um, to I assume that, but also I assume that she has met Spock when she was a child, right? Like, I don't know. The way they play... Like, uh, Spock was probably, like, older, but that doesn't mean that they didn't meet when, you know, Sarek took in this human child. But if, if Spock had already gone off uh, yeah. to Starfleet by then... I guess we're going to have to find out. There's <laughs> no yeah, use like speculating is, at this point. And it's also such a fucking deep lore nonsense question. <laughs> uh, I want to think that Spock met a child, Michael Burnham, because I think that's adorable. It is adorable. It's definitely adorable. Um, Yeah. So I I think that's kind of everything. Um, how do you feel about Lorca's universal laws for lackeys? Context is for King's quote. He's right because every that's how every Star Trek operates is that you follow the rules until this situation doesn't call for them and then you throw them in the gutter. Uh yes, but he says it in such an evil way. <laughs> yeah, no, but but his the the facts that he is laying out is exactly how every good Star Trek captain operates also because the thing that the admirals do that is always considered the evil thing is that they follow the letter of the law too much and not its spirit and but then every evil Starfleet captain follows the spirit of the law but too much <laughs> yeah no so he's going to be doing that and yeah like i do agree with the sentiment because it's basically sometimes you need to break the prime directive because it's stupid yep <laughs> the prime directive is a guideline to like check yourself against not a thing that you have to follow every single time even though you're supposed to because no one's ever court-martialed for that in starfleet no uh i am i constantly get annoyed with star trek prime directive writing making it bigger than it is yep uh like yeah it's there's a whole there's a not 
uh, go off on a tangent for a second, but there's a whole Enterprise episode that's like meant to deal with like uh, issues that would lead to the um, Prime Directive, except the civilization they're meeting has like more advanced ship than them. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's not a thing. Once the yeah. once they've once warp has been achieved, it's off. The weird thing is that Starfleet, there's Star Trek like writing seems very inconsistent about whether or not the Prime Directive applies just to earlier cultures or to everyone. I I take it as to earlier cultures. I, I also feel like that. it only makes sense that way. Because once someone has the technology and can like interface with you uh, as like a civilization, that's fine. It's just regular diplomacy then. Yeah. And if you say, oh, we don't want to meddle in like the affairs of another culture when they explicitly ask us not to, that's not the prime directive. That's just like being anti-imperialist. Yep. Uh Yes, I I are on that that side, but there are definitely a lot of episodes that are on the other side and try yep. to wrench tragedy from dumb, arbitrary, non-prime directive laws. That I always hate that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I do agree with it, but he's so evil, and I don't I don't like the way he says it. I'd like hmm, this. Is, you said a thing I agree with and made me not like it. You're so evil. You're so <laughs> evil, Jason Isaacs. What if he's not evil? What if we're wrong? He's no, because he's got, he's got the animal in the ship. He has already done evil things. Like, I mean, the, the debate isn't going to be is he evil. The debate is going to be is he right. But I mean, what if he's just like late period DS Nine evil? Like he does the things that are necessary and it's compromised, but that's just the way of things. No, he's evil. What if he's not? No, he's evil. You we don't know that yet. Like all he yes, did was take do. the beast and put it on his ship. Exactly. He, he took the murder beast and put it on his ship. That's not he necessarily took the like beast. he didn't he didn't like feed ensigns to it. <laughs> he just put it on the dis- like a ship that's all about like finding new things and running science on them. He found a thing and is going to run science on it. In a universe that is entirely designed by like and and not even de- not the design of the wrong one, but like what is almost the most iconic and true about Star Trek is the idea of these noble captains who are inspirational uh and like huge figures in the law of this is what you should aspire to be as a person he is so clearly the opposite of that and it is meant that is meant to be uncomfortable he's evil he's evil it's meant to be uncomfortable i don't know if the actual what it i think it's more interesting if he's not evil what if this is just what he does and they have to reckon Uh. with it I don't. I we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I like so. Uh, like the one prediction that we have have are uh, going to completely recant is that the way they establish the ramifications of her mutiny is she's never. She's not going to be able to become a captain by the end of the season. I don't think yeah. that's. She's no. not commanding the ship. Yeah, no. Saru's going to run the ship. <laughs> yes. That's oh, that's Saru. also never going to happen. Oh, poor Saru. Uh, Saru is so good, but there's no way his story is not the most tragic thing in this season. Yeah, Tilly though she's going to be a captain one day. Not yeah, no, a lot she, of people know that. Yeah, no, it's, whatever. She's fine. Like obviously she's going to be a captain one day. She says that. She says it. Yep. There's going to be a book about her in like the Wrath of Khan era as a captain of a ship, and it's going to be fucking awesome. The the next Discovery book after the one that just came out that's coming out early next year is apparently set like before the Shenzhou even is like before she comes aboard the Shenzhou is I think like what I got from looking at stuff. Oh, so, that's, that sounds all right too. 
I'm very yep. excited for uh, who knows the, where things are going. The the ambition of these books to just be the most lore wanky bullshit around this show because they can get away with it now is so delightful. Like they were given. I like to imagine they were given the option of Do you want to go like around these characters, or do you want to just like do you want to go like around the time of the show, or do you just want to go backwards into deep lore nonsense? And every single Star Trek writer would have made the uh, the lore decision. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, but yes uh, the thing we haven't really talked about is the the stuff on the actual ship where the big action scene happens it's fine it happens there's not much to say yeah no i mean it's 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 like atmospheric and good i i like uh i mean star trek action's always a little goofy but th- this one was good i being chased down a bunch of corridors by a tardigrade and seeing a bunch of crew members being ginger etoed is all pretty good in my opinion uh, we have a question that ties yeah no this. we do I, I was so going to segue to it yes. yeah so I was our, also going to segue to it <laughs> uh, <laughs> our friend uh, Crass sent an email that uh, I will read the entire email Thank I you. think that Captain Isaacs may be evil I'm telling you I'm telling no. you but seriously the gore in episode three is a bit jarring to me while body horror isn't new to Star Trek there is something about the presentation and discovery that I found unsettling this is not to say I don't welcome a new grittier take for this series just that it stood out to me as more unsettling because it happened in Star Trek how do y'all feel about these mangled corpses. Um, I don't like them. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> um, so, like, there's that bit in the motion picture where they beam someone aboard and, like, the there's, like, a transporter problem and they turn into, like, a fucking puddle of gore and goo on the transporter pad. Um, that's, like, a weird, like, no good reason other than they have a budget now, a bit of body horror. Um, there's that amazing uh, episode of TNG called Conspiracy where they go to Starfleet and everyone's, oh. like... Yes. everyone's infected by these bugs that are like trying to take over the galaxy and they meet the guy who's infected by like the queen bug and they shoot him and his chest caves in and an alien bursts out and goes blah and they shoot his head until it turns into a skeleton head and then it explodes and it's the goriest thing for no good reason <laughs> that does that season one's wild <laughs> um and it's never addressed again. It's very strange. Uh, yeah, I thought the the weird girl on this episode was uncomfortable. Like it was, it was like specifically. There's a couple of like direct panning shots across the like super messed up bodies where the uh, the face is all junji eated and the spine is out in the same yep. shot. Like it's all breaking through the skin. Like it is really disgusting. It is yes. really uncomfortable, and it's definitely a weird vibe for Star Trek because like even though body horror happens all the time especially in transporter related accidents yep it's very uh, but it's also very brian fuller like i wonder if this is like his kind of contribution and maybe we'll that see makes it sense to me yeah because yeah. hannibal's think... a show that aired on network television and has stuff that is grosser than this in it on the regular uh yeah i've seen some hannibal stuff it's it's a lot the imagery in that show is unsettling yep uh the, like it, the fact that it turns into being chased down a corridor by a CG monster uh, kind of takes the edge off the whole thing a little bit. No, 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 no. Chased down a Jeffrey's tube. Well, they're chased down a corridor and then chased down a Jeffrey's tube. Yes, she is chased down a Jeffrey's tube while reciting Alice in Wonderland. Or is it Anna Through the Looking Glass? I, I don't remember. Whatever. Don't remember. Same thing. That's why I agree. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah no jeffrey's tube then she falls out of the jeffrey's tube into the shuttle and lands with her like trinity three-point landing uh it's very goofy (laughs) yeah the movie deadpool has like referenced that into being called superhero landing no it is a trinity landing i'm glad that we are both agreed on this yeah i know (laughs) the matrix reloaded check it out (laughs) it's like it's like 
maybe actually the best action scene in the Matrix Reloaded because that's a terrible movie for actual action scenes. <laughs> it really is. Oh god. Because everything else is a CG nightmare, but that one's pretty good. But yes, no. Uh, good episode. Very excited that the uh, the like big things that we were being alluded to in the trailer were just presented as basically facts so now there is uh, 11 more episodes to introduce complications and new directions to go uh 12 more episodes 15 i thought it was 14 no 15 okay well i counted wrong yeah no more star trek for me <laughs> yeah no <laughs> by one <laughs> i'll take it i'll take that it. one episode is gonna make all the difference you just wait and see I, uh, yeah, it will it will in that one, Jason Isaacs is not evil. <laughs> you take the red pill. <laughs> That's it. We are done. Uh, next week, look forward to another one of these about episode four, which has a name, but I don't remember it. It's the, like the longest, most Brian Fuller up its own ass The title. butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. <laughs> it also very much is like an original series title. I, th- these titles are good. Um... I wish they'd put them in the episodes. The the worst thing the show does is that there's no title cards for the for the uh, names mm-hmm. of the episodes. Um, and we'll also have a normal episode of Second Officer Slog about uh, the DS9 relaunch book. So please listen to that if you're if you've seen DS9 and you're into us describing the Trek lore, you know the stuff that matters. The books about yep. <laughs> about the 24th century. The 24th century books are well regarded. <laughs> yep we need to stop this podcast yes everybody uh, no jackson give us the plugs fuck you (laughs) oh i do the plugs every time one time you're gonna do the plugs anyway we are at abnormalmapping.com if you want to find a bunch of other shows there you can find them uh at their own urls we have abnormal mapping which is the game club we play video games it's cool there is no topical discourse if you are tired of the discourse then listen to us we're great it is at the best game dot club no the best yes the best game dot club because you put the dot club there yes makes sense what else is there there's the amory score that is a podcast where we go through uh, where i go through with molly the law of coheed and cambria it's very very ridiculous uh next time's very dumb coming up in a couple days uh that is at indianmayo.com we have the great gundam project which is a patreon exclusive podcast that you can get at patreon.com slash mapping if you donate one dollar or more it's very it's we're watching gundam it's exactly what it says exactly what it says in the tim it's great gundam's good yeah. uh, we have other shows on our network we have fireside friends which is ryan's show and it's good and I have to stop plugging. I have to stop plugging. I'm at Headfalls Off on Twitter. Oh, where are uh, you on Twitter? You, you can also find this episode and a bunch of Let's Plays and other episodes on YouTube at youtube.com subnormalmapping. And you can find me at em underscore being. Of course, as always, uh, yes, as Jackson said, support us on Patreon for this and all of our other shows. Uh, even if you don't want care about Gundam, we could use your support because podcasts are a lot of work. Uh, and I, so I got to pay for the CBSL access app somehow. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash more mapping. That's it. We're done. This week's over. Enjoy some Star Trek. If your friends say it's not Star Trek enough, please punch them in the mouth and then come back and watch this show. <laughs> See Goodbye. you out there. <laughs>